Caribbean Birth Stories has been brought to you by the Amai Birth Collection. Head over to theamishop.com. That's the A-M-A-I-Shop.com for special offers and to learn more about the Amai family. Anna Buckner is the founder and lead consultant of Structure LLC, a process consulting company that helps small businesses create processes and procedures to help streamline administrative operations, specifically targeting small and medium-sized businesses. Anna started Structure when she moved back to Jamaica in 2020 from Florida, where she lived for nine years. Before that, she lived in England for four years and was lucky enough to work for Microsoft and Swarovski in central London. Her favorite quote is, life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's learning to dance in the rain. She found this quote just after she found out her tubes were blocked. And since then, it's been what's keeping her going through all the rough patches in her life. Let's listen. Hi, Anna. (laughs) Hi, Chanel. I got Chanel. Chanel. Yes, you're pronouncing it. Perfectly fine. Thank you. So how are you doing? Nice for you to be here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I love what you do. I listen to all of them. And I just think that it's such an amazing thing what you're doing. So I'm excited to be a part of it. Yes. And um, now that we know that our families know each other, so this is even better. Like we didn't even know. And I need to thank, I need to give a shout out to being Lady Boss, Sarah. Um, for putting us together, basically, it's yes, through yes. that I was able to connect, and I'm really, really grateful for that. So, yeah. thank you, Sarah. Thank <laughs> so, um, let's start up with your journey, okay? Um, talk to me a little bit about growing up in your twenties, what you felt, you know, your thoughts on motherhood and just being a mother. Give me a little idea. So it's funny because. I think in my 20s, I was more focused on not being a mom. <laughs> yes, true. Okay. Um, but I guess growing up, you know, I look back at it and when I listen to other women talk about being moms, you know, they're like, oh, all I've ever wanted was to be a mom. I didn't have that really, you know, deep passion about being a mom. But I guess I just always figured that I would be. Like it was a yes. given. You know, yes. I did things like I saved all my magazines since I was a little girl. My best friend and I used to collect magazines together and I saved every single one of them. Remember like Teen Beat and all of those 17 and you know, growing up in the Caribbean, they were so expensive. So we would save our money and I would buy them and we'd write notes in them and I'd save them all for what I guess was my daughter. And you know, all of my, like I would, I was, I was, I was a child actress and stuff. So I saved all of like my newspaper clippings and you know, you know, just save things for your kids so they can yes. see them. Um, but in my 20s, I guess, as I said, I guess I was a little, especially in my younger 20s, I was more kind of focused on don't get pregnant. Don't, don't shame the parents. You are not married. No pregnancy scares. Right. You know, you see, yes, yes. I saw like some of my cousins go through that, getting pregnant out of wedlock and you know, especially in the Caribbean, that's a really big thing, you know? Yeah, so that's kind of where my focus was at. Mm-hmm. Um, um, when I was, I had been in like a, a long-term relationship, a five-year relationship with my then boyfriend. And mm-hmm. um, 
they doctors had misdiagnosed me with lupus in my 20s okay. so the conversation of being a parent did come up um okay. and that it would be difficult because of my lupus so if i right. wanted kids it was a good time to think about it now but I so you're what age now? 20? That was probably about 26. Okay. And I think that conversation was enough to scare off my then boyfriend. <laughs> oh, <laughs> poor thing. You know, there was, a, there, there was a conversation around it with him. Like, oh, you know, the doctor said I have lupus and, you know, I should probably have kids now. And, and for him, it was, you know, I'm signing up for a life of dealing with somebody who's sick and... Don't know yeah. if we can have kids. And I think it was a little bit too much for him to be So, you know, we split up. That wasn't a thing anymore. And, you know, you fast forward into your 20, into your 30s. I got married. I, mm -hmm. My diagnosis was changed from lupus. As sometimes, you know, these diagnoses do change, especially right. if you go through these. I have been suffering from autoimmune problems all my life. Right. So... For me, it was just, uh, it, it was the change of diagnosis was a positive thing for me. So yes. I never even imagined that having kids was going to be an issue after that for me. Yeah. So yeah. I got married and I was like, okay, let's do it. Right. So and tell me about that because I'm suspecting it didn't go as planned. No, it didn't. So <laughs> a couple of months, months into it, you know, I hadn't been on birth control for a while. And a couple of months into it, I was like, something's not right. Like, I'm not even having a, ooh, I think I may be pregnant kind of morning. Right. Yes. So I went and got it checked out. And mm -hmm. I remember laying there, I did this test where they put dye. I don't remember yes. exactly what it is, but they mm -hmm. put dye up there and they look at your tubes. Yes. And the person doing it was very matter of fact. Like, there was no kind of emotion attached to it for... The person mm. and i'm saying the person because to be honest with you i don't remember if it was a male or female that did my right. test. Mm -hmm. um and they were just like and it's the words that i remember oh your tubes are blocked you have to do mm -hmm. ivf and i was like okay what what do you mean my tubes are blocked <laughs> like right. and they're like oh no they're they're completely blocked like i'm pushing and the dye isn't going anywhere they're like they're completely blocked and i was like okay and it just like I just sat there for a while. They're like, it's fine, you can do IVF. And it was such a like matter, matter of fact, fact like yeah. passing by comments. And at the time for me, um, I had just gotten married in my 30s. I'd moved to a different country because at that point I'd left Jamaica and moved to the US to be with my husband. Okay. He had he already had a son, and I mm -hmm. was like, Gosh, like I'm just starting my life over. I'm still and I at this point I still have at least four autoimmune issues that I deal with on a daily basis. Right. Um, I'm like, I'm kind of just, you know, dealing with these things going on. And now you're yeah. telling me, oh, IVF, like, you spent $30,000. By the way, yeah. yeah. I'm like, I don't, so for me, it wasn't like, yeah, I get an option. For me, it was like, almost like a slap in my face. Like, right. That's not really what I want to hear at this no, point. No, of course, of course. Um, it kind of was a lot to take in because I went back to my doctor, my gynecologist, and I spoke to her. Mm -hmm. and I was like, how does one's tubes just become blocked? Right. And she said to me, she said, you know, have you ever had any major medical like pelvic issues? And then it hit me when I was about 
taking me back into my 20s, mm -hmm. I had some kidney problems. Right. And I had an operation where I was stents were put in to both, right. of, to both of my ureters. Mm -hmm. And the, the stents didn't fit properly. And the doctor okay. came out of the surgery saying to my parents, like, oh, they didn't fit, but you know, we, you know, we, we pushed them up there. Oh and my. In less than 24 hours, they had to do emergency removal. And I was in the hospital for almost three weeks. I turned turned out I had a massive internal infection. All my mm -hmm. pelvic area had gotten infected. And right. I almost died from that infection. So, so that's your life in my 30s, I'm like, that is probably what ended up doing this. And I didn't, yeah. I went through all my 20s not knowing this, you know, thinking that something else was going to be the issue and it wasn't. Right. So it was a lot to deal with, a mm -hmm. whole lot to deal with. Um, on top of which, you know, you have the emotional side of it. Of um, As I a newly married woman, how? Yes. Yes. It was difficult and it was difficult for him. Um, mm -hmm. There was, it's funny how people like Caribbean people, I hate to say it, but everyone seems to know everybody and there's a connection. So how we just learned. Yes. And <laughs> there was a connection between him and my old boyfriend and the oh. rumor mill started and it became this conversation to my husband without me knowing that actually Anna knew all along she couldn't have children. <gasps> so for him, it was delivered to him in a different light. And yeah. the rumor mill of our small little island got involved in it. So mm -hmm. it wasn't just a matter of me dealing with this on a personal level. I then also had to now mitigate <laughs> All the externals, yes. Exactly, that was coming my way as well. And be like, oh, misinformation, confusing mm -hmm. information. This is not what happened. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. Two completely different things. So I had a lot of things coming at me. And okay. for a long time, like in the beginning, he wanted to do IVF, but I was like, newly married. You know, we have a lot of bills. I just migrated, just started a job. I have all these health issues. You have a son. Like I was very money conscious about the about what was happening yeah, right. and he was gung-ho okay. and then to be honest you know people would say to me all the time go and get a second opinion and i mm -hmm. got four separate opinions mm -hmm. on the matter and every single one of them was mm -hmm. worse than the first one oh, <laughs> like you know people think that you know you know your tubes are blocked there's a way to deal with it and i'm like okay yeah but for other people it was like you know somebody will give you some good news. And the, the last person that I ended up going to said to me, your tubes have been blocked for so long that they're dead. Oh my. <laughs> that was like another slap in my face. I was like, mm. so I ended up going back to my first gynecologist who just said to me, you know, Anna, there are options. Okay. At this point, uh, there were a couple of years down the line again. And you know, mm -hmm. I've gone through, this is now probably like three years after my diagnosis. and. You know, at this point, I went back to my husband. I was like, maybe we should try IVF. I don't know. But at that right. point, he wasn't, he didn't want to go through that. And, you know, there's a lot of judgment out there. Oh, he's your husband. He should support you. He should do this. But the truth is, is that, you know, we all go through these ups and downs. And mm -hmm. not because it's the right time for you and it's the right time for him. And a lot of mm -hmm. people will say to me, 
you know, oh, well, he should have done that for you. And I'm like, but when, when he was giving me the option, I didn't want to do that for him. Yeah. So yeah. it's the ups and downs of marriages. Um, yes. So that's kind of my journey. I didn't end up. <laughs> I know, but, but you eventually had to do a hysterectomy, correct? I did. So with all my pelvic issues, um, and this spanned from the age of 32 all the way up to 39 years old. So nice. I've had really bad, heavy periods all my life. Um, and what eventually happened was the scar tissue ended up coming down from my fallopian tubes, started to fill up my, my uterus, and then blocked my cervix. So okay. what was happening to me was that every month I had this blocked cervix. So when I had my period, I wouldn't end up having it. It would all end up pooling in my mm. uterus and then I would have the equivalent of um, birth contractions in order to right. actually have get everything period. out. Yes. yes. So I start to get tearing in my uterus and infections and it was just a mess. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, is that despite what anybody wants to believe, like I think a period for people who are infertile is such a such a mind thing it really is like i want to say yes. what mind blank but yes every month for me it was like just pregnant? a reminder am i pregnant could i be mm -hmm. pregnant and it was it was a huge reminder for me so my my doctor just said to me listen anna like you've been going through this i'd had dncs to clear out everything and it would come back you know all the scars would just grow back so she was just like, if you really aren't going to have children. And at that point, I was 39. Mm -hmm. I know some people have that journey and they want to have children at that age. But I said, I had, I have multiple health issues that I'm dealing with on a daily basis. And I was like, I am going to be like the world's most tired mom at 40. <laughs> I can be a really fun aunt, but I accepted that it wasn't my journey at that point. Right. Right. You know, I think we all come to that that conclusion that it's not our journey. And for me, I was like, you know what? I'll do it. Right. And you were ready. And I was ready. Yeah. So did they remove everything, including your ovaries, or they left so their ovaries? I have one ovary left. They mm -hmm. actually, <laughs> she took out my uterus. They actually left my cervix because okay. I have duplicated urinary systems that run way too close to my cervix. Mm -hmm. And she didn't want to cut those or to, or there to be any complications. So she ended up leaving my cervix, which was not the original plan. Right. But I still have that. So, you know, no fallopian no, no tubes, John ovary and a cervix. Okay. And how did you cope after that? Like, did was it a shift in you? Did it change you? What happened after? Absolutely. I mean, I think even going up to it, I think the two nights before my surgery, I mm -hmm. slayed there and I cried because I'm, they have this new, you know, laparoscopic surgery. Right. That was not an option for me because of my duplicated urinary systems. Right. So they had to cut me and I'm cut from one side of my pelvis to the next. So and like a proper C-section scar. Like a proper C-section scar. And, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of women are like, oh, you know, but I had a C-section and you, and I'm like, yeah, but you had a baby from that scar. Like this scar does not mean anything positive to me like that right. mm -hmm. um you also go through the whole thought process of you don't have a child you're not a woman you know mm -hmm. because 
especially in the Caribbean. Huh? Yeah, I was just going to say, tell me more about that. It's such a huge thing. You know, you don't have a child. It's almost like you're not a female. If you'd like, I, I don't know how to describe it, but I went through a lot of issues with, when I hear moms going, you know, you don't know love till you have a baby and you don't right. not complete until you have a child. And especially in Jamaica where it's such a thing where you have to have a child. And it's, I mean, I would get con like asked all the time, when are you having a baby? When are you having a baby? When are you having a baby? And it became such a hard topic of conversation. I was in, I was in Price Mart and a lady came up to me as you know, Jamaican people do or Caribbean, I don't know if Caribbean people on a whole do it, but she put her hand on my stomach and she was like, when are you going to put a baby in there? Oh, I God. looked at her and I was like, I'm infertile. I can't. Oh. And she like looked at me and her mouth dropped. But she touched what about me? Before. Exactly. <laughs> but it's such a conversation for yeah. Jamaican women. And it's such mm -hmm. a stigma as well. Like you don't have a baby. Correct. Right. And you're married. Something's going on. Exactly. Something. Exactly. So are you married? When are you having a baby? When are you having more babies? So it was mm -hmm. this whole conversation. So I became very open about it. I know a lot of women are very closed off about it. Right. I decided to be the opposite. opposite. I'm like, I can't have children. It's okay. I mean, mm -hmm. I would also get the, have you prayed hard enough for it? Maybe you haven't prayed hard enough for it. And then mm -hmm. I also have this conversation with people that say God has different paths for different people. And maybe my path was not to be, you know, a bio mom to somebody. Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, there's so many conversations that yes. surround it and things and stigmas and, you know, mm -hmm. issues like that, that you have to kind of get over, especially here in the Caribbean where people insert themselves into your life like life. that, you know? Yes. So what would you say, um, what techniques or coping mechanisms did you use to kind of get past that? Because you can be a mother in, to, to, you have a dog, so you could be a dog mommy. Um, yes. You know, you you have a stepson. Yeah. So, um, you know, so there are other ways that you can mother. Um, yes. So tell me about your strategies, you know. Well, the first thing I would say to anybody who is struggling with having a baby is mm -hmm. you have to mourn. You know, people don't understand that. And excuse me if I cry. That's okay. People don't understand that it's mm -hmm. it's a death in some way. You know, like you feel that loss. Yeah. Um, you feel that absence. Whenever I talk about it, I get emotional because it's true. There, it is a loss, you mm -hmm. know, and we forget that it is a loss and that we have to mourn what we thought would have been our lives. And it's, right. you know, it's a reminder of, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. It's a reminder that, you know, you have to just, you have to release it. You have to let it go. So I did actually go to counseling. I spoke to somebody about it and she right. was awesome for me. And she reminded me, she was like, Anna, you have to cry. You have to, you have to release it. So for me, I remember I drove to the beach one day when nobody was there and I cried and I put something in the water and I was like, okay, this is it. You release I'm gonna it. release it. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. I mm -hmm. also say don't bottle things up to people. Like don't because right. the more that you internalize it, is the worse it gets for people. Mm -hmm. um, so because did it change your friendships? Tell me about like your relationships with other people. So 
I have a lot of very close friends who are moms and right. it took me a while to explain to them that even though I'm so happy for them, it there's like something inside of me that just, you know, that I don't want to say jealousy, but me, but I think that's a good word. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. um, people don't want to admit that they're jealous. So mm-hmm. I would say I went through jealous periods of you get to be a mom and you get to do this and you get to do that. Right. So I had to do a lot of explaining to my friends. And you know what? I would say all of my friends have mm-hmm. been super supportive. And maybe it's because I'm so open with them about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but I, I'm not, I'll be honest. I developed severe anxiety around kids. Like I would get anxiety attacks. I really? would get anxiety attacks driving to my friend's birth, like kids' birthday parties, pulling over on the side of the road, crying to my mom. Like, I can't go, I can't go, I can't go, I can't go. Um, and I've just been very open with my friends about it. And I thank God because they have really been awesome. And the truth is, is that I have friends who are my age, don't know if they can get pregnant, but they're not in a relationship and haven't tried to have a baby yet. I have friends who have lost multiple children before they were born, you know, friends and family. So we all go through a loss, you know, it's a similar kind of loss even though it may not be the same it's similar yes. so i think the yes. more we talk about it but you mentioned my dog my best friend gave me my dog who is sitting Aww. right here beside me <laughs> he's sitting here but you know he was probably the best thing that happened to me through all of this he really and i would say saved me right, right. a lot of i know a lot of people don't like to hear that you know a dog is a baby and that kind of stuff but for people like me who never got that opportunity they're such a, a good little you know like emotional warm. support yes. yeah and he is my emotional support you know like i yeah. went through the waking up every night and taking him out to pee to make sure he didn't pee in the bed yeah, every pee, right. pee in the house and you know that yes, kind yes. of stuff and as you said i'm a stepmom and i was lucky enough also to have the most amazing stepson um okay. he and i have such a great little rapport he's much older now he's going to be 18 soon but um oh, i had boy. him from when he was six years old and we really have like a very special relationship um his his mom and dad did a good job at, at accepting me in his right. life as not just a step parent but also a disciplinarian and somebody who could help him so i got that to, you know, from right. well. so you were able to mother. You I was, yes. Yes. And <laughs> exactly. So tell me, let's just go back a little bit to the hysterectomy. Did you yes. receive any specific advice about taking care of yourself post hysterectomy? Like, you know, you did major surgery. Um, I'm sorry, he's on my lap. <laughs> that's fine. What about, you know, any pelvic floor, you know, retraining, any exercises to help after so the first thing i was told was do not do anything for the first couple of months <laughs> right <laughs> and that's very hard when you're somebody who likes to do a lot of things but mm-hmm. to take it easy um right. really just take it easy other than that to be honest with you i really didn't get much um and i wish i did because my body has completely changed it looks so much different now Mm -hmm. than it did before um Mm. i so i wish that i was told about that um 
And do you think you have any um, residual effects from the hysterectomy? Like, well, do you feel like you're fully healed? No. So that's one thing that's that I don't, only a friend of mine told me that who, who also had a hysterectomy. She said, I know three years later, like I still feel like my body is just coming in to like to right. feel normal. But no, where the, where the cut is, I still feel pain. If I press it, I'll still feel, you know, what's happening. Like I still feel like where the scar tissue is. Right. It's still, mm -hmm. you know, very sore, but I have no ab muscles at all. Like mm -hmm. zero. I've come from a flat tummy to having like a proper tummy, um, which you know is probably not a good selling point. But I, I also did like as you said, like a his, like, like a C-section cut. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. I wasn't lucky enough to be one of those people that just got the laparoscopic holes. But right. it's changed my body in a lot of ways. I mean, mm -hmm. the truth is, would I do it over again? Absolutely, because. Okay. The pain that I was having before, especially mm -hmm. knowing that it was not going to amount to anything in the end, yes. <laughs> like that was not worth it to me. So okay. that part of it is gone. Also, the mental pressure of not being able to have a kid, but having a period every month, like yes. that's gone. But the body changes are a huge thing to go through. Um, you know, the hormones up and down, yes. the, you know the internal heat that I get sometimes I'm don't go in, I'm not in full menopause. I was mm -hmm. perimenopause before I started yep. it. Yes. Mm -hmm. So um because of COVID I haven't been able to go back up to the States to my doctor because I moved back down to Jamaica during COVID. Okay. So I haven't been able to go back to her, which I mm -hmm. should probably look about soon. Yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I know that Everything that I went through, I would still go through it now if I ended up where I am now. I'll take the little belly or the fupa or whatever it is that they want to call it. Honest, yes. You know, um, for me, it was the right decision, especially mentally. It was the absolute right decision. So um, for, for a young lady right now listening to this podcast episode, and probably just got the news that you know she has to do a hysterectomy or she maybe has blocked fallopian tubes and you know it's a lot to take in what advice would you give to her what would you have liked to hear when you got the news that you could possibly tell someone else to help them cope with that news a little bit better that everybody's journey looks different mm -hmm. and life may not always turn out the way you expected it to, to turn out yeah but it turns out the way that it's supposed to turn out mm -hmm. right and yeah. that journey may be scary and that journey may be um sad but it will make you stronger and you will be you will end up where you're supposed to end up and right. nobody else can change that path for you right, right. Yeah. And dance then in the rain. Dance in the rain. I like that. And you know, one other thing I want to touch on before we wrap up is for us mothers, those who have children like myself, how can we be more sensitive to other women who may be struggling with infertility or for whatever reason have maybe decided they just don't want to have children? How should, how can we be better friends? sisters, aunts, tell me. 
That's such a good question. And I love that question because I know it's really hard. So the first thing I'm going to tell you is in no way do you need to change how you are with your kids around us, right? Because the truth is, even though we may feel a way that's still on us, that's not for you to change that for us. But when it comes up to maybe announcing your pregnancy, if you have a really good friend, it would be good to call them and tell them, you know, not just let them find out on the internet, right? Actually have a conversation with them. Um, Also, you know, just include them as as much as you can, but in a nice way. And also be very understanding. If they choose not to come to a birthday party or if they choose not to come to, you know, your Your baby baby shower or something, just be understanding. Don't take it personally because the truth is the likelihood of it being about you is very, very slim. Yes, yes. I think that's reasonable. Definitely. And, you know, in this culture that we live in where we're trying to just be more inclusive of everybody, I think those women who are like yourself who may have wanted to have children and just can't or are struggling with infertility, um, it we I think society forgets you guys, and that's you know it's disheartening. Um, but I'm hoping that this episode sheds some light because it's not yes. the typical Caribbean boot story because we don't end with a baby being born, but it opens our eyes to something different and to be just more sensitive to other people um, because. Booth, the booth story is not just about the baby, it's about everything, you know, the whole journey, the whole journey, which sometimes, like you said, doesn't go the way you want it to go. So, um, with that said, I, you know, I like to ask my guests to come up with a song or to choose a song that represents their journey. Have you thought of one? And it's funny you ask that because I heard it the other day and I was like, oh, I love this song. And I literally played on replay. It's called um, Broken, and Be- Bro- Broken and Beautiful by Kelly Clarkson. And she's just mm-hmm. basically saying in the song, like, you know, they've been through so much. I may be broken, but I'm beautiful. Right. Yeah. And that I'm superwoman and I'm strong and I know I can get out of it because I've done it all it along. So yeah. that's oh, I love song. that. I love that. I'm going to have to play it because I feel I know it, um, but like the, the tune doesn't come to mind, but I'm yeah. going to play it. It's not but one of her most popular songs, but, right. it's, but it's such a nice, empowering song for women. So Yeah. Well, thank you so much, thank Anna. Thank you so lovely. much. Thank you so much for sharing with us and for having your puppy. So we're going to be on YouTube as well. So people are going to see. Okay. What's his name? His name is Jet. Jet. Is Jet. he black? No, he's not actually. He's a little white puppy. Jet, where are you? <laughs> he's just he's fast not... like a Jet? No, so my husband works for JetBlue. Oh. <laughs> and I he was it. a surprise. And so uh, that was my way in kissing up to him like, look, it's a little JetBlue for you. <laughs> and he started off not being too enthused about the dog, but now he's right. like his best friend. He's their best Aww. friend. Oh, so okay. he's quite happy. 
Beautiful. And now I have two other big dogs. So now oh, you I'm have more dogs? Hold of just dogs. Okay. Like, like I'm an official dog mom now. <laughs> Do you have stickers on your car? Because that's when you're official. When you have like bumper stickers. I don't have one in Jamaica. <laughs> But I used to have one in the States. Yes, you see? Yeah, you're, I, you're official. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Anna, it was lovely. Thanks and so much. Yes. Oh, and I want you to shout out Structure. Thank you. Yes, yes, please. Please tell us a little bit more because I like to highlight my all my women because a lot of them have are doing their own thing they're entrepreneurs and you know so i'd just really like to give you a little highlight so tell us about your company thank you so structure is it's it's a play on the word structure right <laughs> um again beautiful lady boss sarah came up with the name and my logo so i'll shout mm -hmm. out to her <laughs> um basically what i do is i help small businesses put together procedures and policies in their companies because a lot of them don't actually have those things in place. So right. it's just making sure that there is business continuity, things in place to help them to grow. So that's Perfect. what I focus on, helping businesses get business structure. Right. And I'll definitely put all the information in our show notes below so that, you know, listeners can then go follow you on Instagram or wherever else you are and, you know, see if Perfect. they need to get structure in their life. Thank you. <laughs> That's the end. Yes, yes. All right, my darling. So we Thank you so much. It's so you're good most welcome. You. Keep doing the amazing job you're doing. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Bye. Yes. Caribbean Birth Stories has been brought to you by the Amai Birth Collection. Head over to theamaishop.com, that's the A-M-A-I shop.com, for special offers and to learn more about the Amai family. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'd be grateful if you could leave a review about what you're loving on this podcast and be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes.